Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Where do we start? I mean, right before I came on the air this morning to tape the podcast, record the podcast, I watched a video of what looks like a C-17, maybe a C-5, I'm not sure. It's taken, uh, you can see the bottom is flying away, and two Afghan uh what the Afghan civilians, everything they'd be, who, were, who had clung on to the landing gear, uh, falling from the sky from about, I don't know, uh, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred feet up in the air. I mean, it, you know what? Let me just get to the show because there is way, way, way too much to talk about and even tease in an intro. You all know what happened. Let's get to it. Hey, I protect my data with a VPN. So should you. Get a VPN. Don't wait. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on a uh, very somber, just sad Monday. I'm, I'm just devastated about what's happening here. Just devastated. And we got this guy in charge. It's just a total mess. So we've got some video. We've got a whole, we got some comprehensive coverage, obviously, on the fall of Afghanistan. We're going we're gonna to put it all together in an hour show for you today. <sighs> Take a breather. All right. Today's show brought to you by LifeLock. Hey, before packing your bags for some summer travel, make a plan to help protect your personal information online. Keeping your devices up to date with the latest security patches, changing passwords, and avoiding using public Wi-Fi can help prevent your personal information from getting into the wrong hands and ruining your summer vacation and the rest of your year, too. It's important to understand our cybercrime and identity theft are affecting all of our lives. Every day we put our information at risk on the Internet. In an instant, a cybercriminal could steal what's yours. They Sometimes they can even harm your finances and your credit. Good thing there's LifeLock. Life, LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has been potentially compromised, they'll send you an alert like they do for me. I have a LifeLock account for everyone in my family. It's been invaluable. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock. Do it today. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com slash Bongino. Don't wait. That's LifeLock.com slash Bongino for 25% off. All right, Joe. Let's go, man. All right, brother. Yeah. 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 I know. So... This is what it's come to in Afghanistan. Now, I owe you a position on it because you spend time with me and I appreciate it every day. I've told you my position repeatedly. That hasn't changed. Our mission in Afghanistan had to come to a close. I agree with both President Trump and President Biden's positions. Having said that, folks, this retreat is a disgrace and a stain on our government, not on our country, on our government. I want to be crystal clear. I'm going to talk about our soldiers and our Marines, our Naval officers, Air Force, everyone who was over there in a minute, too. Let's go to some video first. This is what it's come to. Really? I'm not even going to play the video of the Af- Afghans falling to the ground after clinging. I'm not going to play. It's too much for this show, for you all. But here's the uh, airport uh, in downtown Kabul, which I've seen and have been to. I've been to Afghanistan. I've been to Kabul, been to Bagram, been to ISAF headquarters, and this is this total mess. A cargo plane again. Is it a 17, a C5? I don't know. Being totally overrun. You can see it right here. People in the back. There's no sense of who's on the plane, who's not on the plane. The airport has been almost entirely overrun. I hear our, uh, our, our, our military forces are trying to get it back. 
Here is about 20 seconds of some footage last night. Again, people breaching the walls of the airport in downtown Kabul. You'll hear gunshots in the background. Folks, again, I've been to this airport. It's not that far from the embassy, but you got to understand it's in the middle of the city. It's right there. It's not like on the outskirts or anything else. Total chaos. Total, complete chaos right there. People breaching the walls, gunshots. It's just a total mess. And what, what's Biden doing? Biden is out right now, you know, in Camp David. I don't know. Is he, was he playing video games? Is he watching Netflix? I mean, what is the president of the United States doing? And listen, I did my best on my radio show. You heard it. And on my television show this weekend, I did my best to try and keep this above petty politics. But Biden is the president. And this guy screwed up big time. Here's another one now. You got the press, who, of course, doesn't dare call out Joe Biden. You have the press and NBC. Embarrassingly, it's not even a time for jokes about Republicans pounce stories. But this is how pathetic this is. Maybe why the American people, maybe one of the reasons they had no idea this was going to happen is because they were lied to by Biden. And not only were they lied to by Biden, they were lied to and the press covered for them. No one was asking questions ever. And then when the fall of Afghanistan happened on Biden's watch, instead of the media focusing their attention on the real person who made this decision, the commander in chief right now, Joe Biden, what do they do? They make it again about Republicans pouncing, Republicans seizing. This is the king of all Republican seize, Republican pounce stories. Remember these stories? It's never about Biden's failures. It's about the Republican response to Biden's failures. Check this out. President Biden guaranteed last month there would be no airlifts from the embassy in Kabul, saying it was not at all analogous to the messy exit from Vietnam four decades ago. This is manifestly not Saigon. Still, helicopters continuously evacuated Americans and our Afghan allies to the airport throughout the day, an optical comparison Republicans have seized on as they continue to blast the president's foreign policy strategy. Here we go with the Republicans pounce story. Uh, folks, you may say, well, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is if this was Donald Trump in office right now, as Afghanistan falls in a matter of days after spending 20 years, thousands of lives, limbs, blood, bodies and treasure there for 20 years trying to train an untrainable army and it fell within days Donald Trump, I make no mistake. Joe, you know it. Guy, you know it. Sadly, producer Justin's back at school today, so it's only a two for today. You know damn well Donald Trump would be forced into resignation right now and Republicans would be leading the way or rhinos. You'd see Mitt Romney, Jeff Flake, you're not even in the Senate anymore, Adam Kinzinger, Liz Cheney demanding. He was, But what's the NBC story about? The Republican reaction. Here's some more video as if you needed to get any worse. Here's again what looks like a C-17 or C-5. I'm sorry, my aviation expert piece is, uh, since I left the Secret Service, has kind of waned a little bit. I've never seen anything like this. A C-17 or C-5 cargo plane really piling through a bunch of people on a runway. I'm not killed, but there, there's people on the right. When I saw that video, folks, please watch the Rumble show today. Rumble.com slash Bongino, please. It's no expense to you. Watch the videos, please. I never in my lifetime thought I would see this. I thought that video was some kind of sick Adobe Photoshop or whatever it may be. 
I really did. I thought there's no way this, I mean, no way. Like a, an active runway, hundreds of people, a, a plane cutting through hundreds of people. Do you have any idea how big these planes are? You have the 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 130s. Those are props, I think. Again, sorry, it's been I've been out of the service, the Secret Service, ten years, not military service. You have C5s, which are enormous. You have C17s, which are kind of a little smaller than that. Do you, but do you have any idea how big these planes are? Even the 130s, they're enormous, piling through a bunch of people on an active runway. You know what's more astonishing about this story? Is again, I don't disagree with the strategy that we had to get out of Afghanistan at all. I have been consistent on that for, gosh, 15 years now. Since I started doing commentary and started formulating opinions about foreign policy. But my gosh, folks, strategy and tactics matter. You know, in my prior line of work, when we exited a hot zone country, I was, again, I was in Afghanistan. I was the lead advance for Obama when he went over there in December of 2010. That was my trip. We made sure that we handled the exit safely and securely, and that's when we, we, we controlled Bagram. Same thing from Indonesia. It's not a war zone, but there were some serious terror threats. We didn't just leave guys behind. We went out very specific, staggered ways to make sure nobody got caught alone. And again, this was Indonesia. That's a war zone. Because force protection matters. And I was the last guy out. I was the lead. Everyone else had to go home. Not the Afghan president, Ashraf Ghani. He's gone. He's gone as of the other day. We had Bagram Air Base, folks. We had it. We controlled it. Let me ask you this question to all the military tacticians out there trying to defend Joe Biden. Please, save your reputations and give this up now. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you a very simple question. If you have an answer, I'd love to hear it. Our email address is on the website. Send it in. Why did we Bagram Air Base, which is about a 20, 25 minute, if I remember, helo flight from Kabul, if I remember correctly, could be off by a bit. But it's outside of Kabul. There's a good distance. We had Bagram Air Base in Afghanistan. It was secured. We had it. It was our base. Why did we give that up first? You know, there's a runway there. I know the runway. I landed on it. I watched F-22s do vertical takeoffs from there. Why did we give that up? Why didn't we just take our personnel from the embassy, Hilo lift them to Bagram, which is outside of the city, which is easier for us to control? Yeah, there's issues. There's, as I said, IDF fire from the from the surrounding mountains and things like that. And yeah, it could have been uh, it could have been stormed too. But we had a whole better chance out there in Bagram, which is in the middle of the desert out there than we did in the middle of the city of Kabul at an embassy that's being surrounded right now and it would have resulted in street-to-street fighting to protect. Why didn't we take everyone from the embassy, bring them to Bagram? We had an airfield there. If evac everyone from Bagram slowly but surely and efficiently. Can someone answer me why we didn't do that? Why we forfeited our airfield in Bagram Air Base 
to go and try to take over an airport in downtown Kabul we, uh, we, that we can't control because it's being routed by Afghani citizens who don't live near Bagram? Does that make any sense to you? Folks, listen, man. You know, we got people getting paid a lot of money. Generals and intelligence officials. And with all due and appropriate respect for their service, man, you get paid to do a job. Whose decision was this? You gave up an airbase 25 minutes, maybe more, out of Kabul. Again, forgive me, I don't remember the exact flight time. I got back there, back and forth. We took kilos back. I did it. I was there. You're telling me we gave up an airfield we controlled away from population centers in order to do what? Take over an airport in the middle of the city that's now been entirely overrun and everybody knew it would be overrun? Who? Did they? Like you went to, did you go to like the Naval War College or some Harvard school of public policy decision-making? Like who told you that was a good idea? We got people there. These are our people. Forfeit bog. I, I can't, I mean, I can't believe it. Listen, let me get to, because I, I, I got to. It's very frustrating. And by the way, for some of you asking me questions about what happened this morning on TV, I got to start making decisions soon. I got to start paring down my relationships with, with, with other entities. I'm not kidding. I have to do what I can control right here. This is what matters. Never going to be silenced ever by anyone, ever. I have to do what I can control. That's right here. That's for another day. Listen, let me... Um, in the interest of efficiency, let me just, uh, if you'll forgive me, let me get to my second sponsor here. I want to take a bit of a mental break from this. And then I want to come back and I want to talk to the troops who sacrificed here. It's important. Please, uh, if you'll allow me, um, let me just talk to you for a minute after this. Because you didn't sacrifice for nothing. You didn't. I don't care what any of these hacks and cable news talking idiots tell you. Some of them. You didn't sacrifice for nothing. Hey, listen, you know I enjoy my teeter inversion table. Kind of clears my head a couple times a day. Teeter's bringing you now full body, zero impact exercise with a simple machine I use every, well, maybe four times a week. And I have to take the weekends off now. The free step recumbent cross trainer, but it's really great. Fitness plays a huge role in my life. You know that. Keeps me sharp, ready to take on these long days. My wife and I both love the free step. Paula's a big fan too because it makes it easy to get in your daily exercise. It's zero impact. And let me just add, you can dial up and turn down the intensity without waking up the next day and feeling like you got hit by a Mack truck. That's not in this spot, but it's true. The Teeter free step is totally unique to anything out there. It's really low impact. The technology's licensed for commercial PT equipment. It has a smooth linear stride. Protects your knees, your hips, and your joints better than any other cardio machine. That's important. That's important. As I get older, I can't wake up the next day and feel like I got attacked by a mountain lion. I want to get my exercise in, but I want to feel good. You can dial up the resistance uh, to, uh, to really crank up uh, your heart rate, or you can dial it down to get a nice warm-up or a good workout for your joints. The Free Step's proven to burn 17% more calories than a recumbent bike. 
When you exercise on the free step, your joints feel great, your muscles will feel challenged, and you want to work out every single day on it. You get access to trainer-led workout videos on the free Teeter Move app as well. Over 3 million people put their trust in Teeter. They've been in the health and fitness industry for 40 years. So what are you waiting for? Check it out. It's a great machine. I highly recommend it. They have an exclusive offer for you. Get the Teeter Free Step Recumbent Cross Trainer for $100 off when you go to teeter.com slash Dan. That's teeter.com slash Dan. The Teeter Free Step is over 1,000 reviews on Amazon and 4.6 star rating. With this exclusive deal, you get $100 off when you go to teeter.com slash Dan. You'll also get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. There's no reason not to try it. Remember, you can only get the Teeter Free Step Recumbent Cross Trainer and save $100 by going to Teeter. That's T-E-E-T-E-R dot com slash Dan. That's Teeter dot com slash Dan. Thanks, Teeter. We appreciate it. Okay, back to the show. You know, folks, I was, I was there in Afghanistan in 2010. It was uh, December of 2010. And uh, I was there doing, coordinating the visit for Obama. I couldn't tell anyone while I was there. We were under, you know, um, not undercover. I don't want to be dramatic, but... Uh, we weren't there. Our official capacity is we were there as the Defense Department officials. We didn't tell anyone we were Secret Service agents because obviously you don't want anyone, good, bad, or indifferent outside of leadership, to know that Obama was coming in, the president at the time, uh, because it just creates an unnecessary security situation. Um, it just does. You know, the, they kept information from everyone in the Secret Service, too. It wasn't like a knock on our military people or anything. You were not told unless you were directly involved in the visit. So there were about, I don't know, 10 people who knew what was happening. And my wife wasn't one of them. So um, I told my wife I was going to Hawaii. It was my last assignment in the Secret Service Afghanistan, uh, in the uh, Presidential Protection Division of the Secret Service. I'm sorry. They actually extended me for three weeks to go to Afghanistan. I was supposed to leave. I was supposed to be transferred to Baltimore. And the irony of the story I was telling Guy this morning is, they told the Baltimore field office that I was sick and wouldn't be able to report to work because they didn't want to tell them that they had extended me to go to Afghanistan. So my wife thinks I'm in Hawaii and two agents show up at the house from Baltimore. And my wife thinks, what the hell just happened? My wife's like all in a panic. She thinks I died. Like, why do two agents, why are two agents out in front of my house unannounced from the Baltimore field office? So I spoke to my wife. Finally, I had to tell her, I like, listen, I'm, I'm in Afghanistan. I want her, she thought I was gonna, I mean, she thought I was dead. You know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm here. I'll be back. It was actually, ironically, on my birthday in 2010. So I was spent about three weeks over there. I remember sitting on Bagram Air Base with General, I think it was General Campbell at the time. I'm pretty sure. Sitting with, it was uh, me, my, uh, my coworker in the Secret Service and David Petraeus in right outside of, uh, in, well, actually inside of Kabul at ISAF headquarters. And I remember going to the embassy and meeting with Carl Eikenberry, the ambassador at the time. And I specifically remember, I'm not kidding. I specifically remember sitting in all three of those places over the course of three weeks, Kabul, the embassy, ISAF headquarters and Bagram Air Base, thinking to myself, there is no way I'll be able to sit here in 10 years. Now, it lasted uh, you know, longer than that. But I remember thinking there's no way we're going to be able to hold this because I would talk on the ground to our intelligence guys over there, they were providing us intelligence to keep the president safe. We didn't want him to get shot out of the sky. He was supposed to take a helicopter from Bagram down to Kabul, to the embassy, to meet with the embassy employees. That part got canceled because there was a sandstorm and the helos couldn't make the trip. But I remember specifically thinking, there's no way we could hold this because the intel people I was talking to on the ground at the time made it crystal clear that this place was not like Iraq. 
that Iraq had, for however awful, believe me, they were the bath party and they were savage animals. There was at least some structure to their military and some sense of perverse discipline, however it was. They had some structure and anyone there will acknowledge that. Bremer, anyone else who was there will tell you that. But that wasn't the case in Afghanistan. There was no sense of what the country was. It was basically a bunch of tribal warlords where their allegiances were to were, were parochial and local. There was no allegiance to a country called Afghanistan. A lot of Afghans didn't even get the concept of what Afghanistan was. It was about their local tribe. There was no sense of a national military or anything like that. And the guys on the ground warned me, the minute we leave, this is going to collapse. Folks, that was in 2010. Repeatedly. I'm telling you that because everyone knew that. Everyone. Don't let them tell you now people didn't know. Which makes this retreat even more insane, the way they handled it. When I was there on Bagram Air Base, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, Obama wanted to give a Purple Heart to this. I believe he was a Delta. He was definitely Special Force. I believe he was Delta. And the Delta guy was in the, you know, we were in, there's a bunch of, Bagram's enormous, and it's an enormous facility. And there was kind of a hospital infirmary there. And outside of it, Obama wanted to give this Purple Heart to this Delta guy, and he had his rifle on him, which of course they do. It's an active military base in a war zone. And showing you again how out of touch these buffoons were, the staffer comes up to me and says, hey, can you tell the Delta guy to put his rifle, leave his rifle outside? I said, I'm not telling you crazy. What are you, a moron? I said, he'll walk in there exactly as he walks in there right now. And I'll never forget, man, that stare. Never. I will never forget that Delta guy's stare. Ever, for as long as I live. It's tattooed on my that stare. I, I don't even know how to describe it. The soldiers over there who fought in combat, Marines, Navy, Air Force folks. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was just emotionless. Like, I just don't even know. I can't even imagine what those eyeballs saw. It was almost like looking at a doll's eye. I mean, you know, the president, regardless of who he is, even a failure like Obama, going to give you a purple heart. You know, you would think it would elicit some emotional response, but yeah, it didn't. And all I could think about was, my gosh, what those eyes, you know, what they, what they saw. Like I said, it was like a doll's eye. So I want to say something to our military personnel who fought over there and elsewhere, but over there specifically right now watching this. Many of them who are obviously asking a lot of questions. Friends of mine, colleagues of mine who left pieces of themselves overseas, families who never saw their loved ones again who died over there, thousands of them. I want to say to you, listen to me, please. If you respect me at all, because I have enormous respect for you, you didn't sacrifice for nothing. You know, I read on the air 
on my radio show, on this show, and on the television show this weekend, I read an email from a friend of mine. You're going to meet him soon. He served multiple tours in Afghanistan. He was a Secret Service agent, colleague of mine. He had those eyes sometimes too, often. It's a one-word answer guy, still is. Yep, nope. Well, he sent me an email I read on the air talking about things like his time in Afghanistan and the pink mist. You know, when a 100-pound bomb goes off and your Marine is standing right there and turns into what they call the pink mist. Talks about how if it's a 50-pounder, you load the remnants of the soldier who got hit by it, the Marine, onto a poncho and you put him in the back of the truck. I heard your stories. They're hard to hear. They're hard to hear and talk about even now. But I don't, and I can't use this platform and not put out that you did not sacrifice for nothing. So I get it. As a responsible partner with you in this, you're probably saying, well, what did we sacrifice for? Well, I want to speak on behalf of a lot of my friends who feel this way. You brought destruction, hell, and death to savages and terrorists in that region for 20 years. Whether we should have, could have, would have been there or whatever you may think about the mission. And everyone's entitled to an opinion on whether we should have been there or not. We were. And for 20 years, you destroyed these savages in the Taliban. You did. Remember this. They feared you. They feared you. You never feared them. This is a failure of our government and our government officials throughout multiple generations, multiple uh, iterations, Republicans, Democrats. This is not your failure. Your job was to rain hell on our enemies and these savages. That was your job. And that is exactly what you did. I had this same conversation with a guy who had served in Somalia. Where they, oh, the United States, we all got thrown out of Somalia. No, 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 the United States political leaders made that terrible decision. That Black Hawk Down incident, we mowed down 20 or 30 of those animals who attacked our guys for every one we lost. You brought hell and destruction to them. And you didn't run out of there. They pulled you out of there. You would have fought until the day you died, tragically, many of you. You brought destruction and hell to our enemies. They feared you. You didn't fear them. You did nothing wrong. You served with honor and distinction. And it's not just that. You brought some, 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 I want to emphasize, some stability to a generation of Afghans. Again, whether we should have been there or not, because of your efforts and your willingness to see the pink mist and watch your buddies and yourselves be put in danger every day and some of them dying. There's a generation for 20 years of young Afghans, girls, boys, and citizens who had some semblance of sanity. Some. You did that. They'll remember. Whether we should have been there or not, 
they will remember. These savages and the Taliban will remember who killed them and their terrorist buddies. And they will remember that they ran when we showed up. They're not going to forget that. They may be savages, but they're not stupid. They know who brought hell their way. It wasn't all these other countries. Some of them did help us, but it was largely our guys. And a generation of Afghans you gave some semblance of sanity to for two decades. They got to maybe attend school for the first time, take off all this ridiculous garb they're told to wear by their their Taliban, you know, pseudo masters, pretend to be in charge of their lives. You were the ones who did that for them. They'll remember that. You didn't sacrifice for nothing. You did not sacrifice for nothing. Your life has meaning. You transformed the lives of a lot of people over two decades. Who else can say that? Your enemies fear you. They run in fear. If you were to go back there tomorrow, these coward chumps in the Taliban would evacuate that city tomorrow because your boots hit the ground and they saw you coming. They saw those eyes and that Delta guy. They don't want to see that because it's the last thing they'll ever see on planet Earth. You didn't fail. Your government failed you. As always. Beyond don't mean to take any kind of breaks during the show, but this is as hard for me. Got a number of friends who served, and I just can't imagine the feeling. We had Bagram Air Base. We had it. We had an airfield there. You forfeit the airfield to try to defend the city you already gave up while our embassy staff are still there, and that makes sense to you. Okay. Um, coming up here in a second, I... Biden and General Milley just must resign at this point. It's, it's beyond. They, they have to resign. Listen, this is, these are not talking points. This isn't me trying to cause unnecessary political strife right now. Joe Biden has to resign. The country is falling apart. They, well, we'll have Kamala instead. They, they, folks, it can't get it. I'm sorry. It can't get any worse. With it, it, it can't. This guy has to. And General Milley has disgraced himself. God bless the man's service to the country. Terrific. It's time for him to go to. I want to get to that. And uh, I got video of just the humiliating efforts by some in the media to advance the Biden propaganda. And uh, finally, someone on CNN calls him out, which thankfully it's a little too late. Calls out a Biden official. I mean, really calls him out too. Puts him on the spot. Look at this couple. I mean, the video just keeps getting worse, folks. Whew. Hey, chain stores, they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers like uh, Big Joe, who's a mechanic himself. He's pretty smart. Well, Joe, maybe you wouldn't call it, but he's a good, he works at his car. He's a really smart guy. Uh, Joe's, a, yeah. Joe's a good guy. <laughs> I need a little break, buddy. I'm sorry. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everyone. They're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everyone. It doesn't require a membership or some fancy account login, none of that stuff. It's a family business. They've been serving auto part customers uh, for over 20, for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com. Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything. Engine control modules, carpet for your car, tail lamps, motor oil, transmission fluid. Doesn't matter. Whatever you need, go to RockAuto.com. 
Also, if it's for your classic or your daily driver, just a few easy clicks away, delivered directly to your door at rockauto.com. Their catalog's unique. It's super easy to navigate. It doesn't require any special tech-savvy skills. It's that simple. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why are you spending up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Bongino in there. How did you hear about us, Box? We'd really appreciate that. So they know we sent you. They have a little box. How did you hear about us? Just put my last name in there, Bongino. They have an amazing selection, terrific, reliably low prices, and they have all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Rockauto.com. Check them out. Thanks, Rock Auto. So getting back to this rather somber show today, but an important one. Uh, Joe Biden and Mark Milley must resign. Milley being the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. There's, there's never been a more catastrophic misjudgment on a foreign policy situation, probably in the last, and say never, but probably in the last, I don't know, 50 years. There's, there's no other way around this. Now, even Ryan Crocker, who is as, about as sober an analyst and doesn't really do a lot of the heavy partisan lifting. Ryan Crocker was our ambassador uh, to Afghanistan. Even Ryan Crocker this weekend's like, this is unbelievable. This is from the Spokesman Review. It'll be, uh, it's, it's gone viral. It'll be in my show notes today. Please read them. There's a lot of good stories in the newsletter today. He says, a self-inflicted wound, former ambassador to Afghanistan, uh, Spokane Valley native Ryan Crocker says the Taliban route was avoidable. Later on in the piece, he gave this quote, which has been making its way um, around the Internet. It's gone kind of viral. He says, I'm, this is Ryan Crocker, again, our former ambassador. He says, I'm left with some grave questions in my mind about his ability to lead our nation as commander in chief, Crocker said, talking about Biden. To have read this so wrong, or even worse, to have understood what was likely to happen and not care. Yeah. That's right. Crocker says what I'm going to say and have said before. What's worse? What's worse that Joe Biden was unaware of what everybody told me in Afghanistan in 2010 and has been telling people for years the place is going to fall apart when we leave? You have Afghani military folks that can't even read. You're trying to train them on military tactics and how to fire a firearm with a manual they can't even read. Everybody told them this. So what's worse? That Biden heard that and didn't comprehend it or did comprehend it and rapidly pulled people out knowing they would immediately take over the city and likely kill people or take hostages. What's worse? That he was too dumb or too tragically cunning? Here's Saki, you know, Peppermint Patty's out of, out of the office this week. Where, where's it? Here, Fox News. Jen Psaki's out of the office as Joe Biden remains silent on the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. Good to know we got our leaders there. Way to go, fellas, ladies. Good job. Psaki's out on the golf course or whatever, doing her thing. Biden's up at Camp David playing video games. The propaganda is just humiliating. I mean, humiliating. Here's John Kirby, the spokesman for the uh, Defense Department. Here's Kirby, again, an admiral. Just again, you think you'd preserve some dignity and tell the truth. Here is Kirby on August 13th. It's August 16th. Here's Kirby three days ago saying, ah, Kabul, it's not an imminent threat right now. What? Play the cut. 
Now, without getting into a battlefield assessment every day, I don't want to do that. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, Kabul is not uh, right now um, uh, in an um, imminent threat environment. So again, let's go back to Ryan Crocker, former ambassador to Afghanistan's assessment. Either John Kirby, the spokesman for the Defense Department, if Admiral himself, very familiar with military tactics, was totally unaware just three days ago that Afghanistan was, was pending basically dissolution, dissolving, was totally unaware of it, or he did know and he lied. So which one is in? Why is Admiral Kirby still in that job? Is there, a, am I missing it? Is there an option C? I'm just asking anyone in the audience who has familiarity with this. Did Admiral Kirby just three days ago, was he totally unaware of the intelligence on the ground that Afghanistan was going to fall? Totally unaware, therefore should leave his job. Or B, was aware Afghanistan was going to fall and just lied about it. Said, ah, it's not an imminent threat right now. We're not going to do an everyday assessment. Maybe you should do an everyday battlefield assessment. Just an idea when every day another province of Afghanistan and entire regions were falling. Just an idea, Admiral. Here's what's going to go down as probably, I would guess, one of the top five worst media appearances ever for a president of the United States in a Q&A. Here's Joe Biden again just a week ago, week and a half. Here's Joe Biden assessing the military strength of the Afghan army, saying, oh, no, this army is up to snuff. 300,000 of them, 75,000 Taliban. Don't worry. The Afghans have this. As you hear this, I'm going to ask you again. Does the commander in chief either not know that the intel was the Afghan army is going to surrender almost immediately. Did he not know that? Despite the fact I was told that 10 years ago, and so was tons of other intel, but does he not know that? Or does Joe Biden know the Afghan army's falling apart and he's lying to you here? There's no option C I'm aware of. Check this out. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Mm. Mm. You know what? Let me give you an option, C. Just thinking about this during the show. So either Biden doesn't know and he's a complete imbecile and should not be the commander in chief, was totally unaware Afghan, Afghanistan was going to fall. Second, he does know and he's been dutifully informed and is just lying to the media. Or third, was this some catastrophic intel failure? I'm going to venture to say the C is probably not it because I'm telling you the intel people told me 10 years ago what would happen, told other people that. But again, in the interest of being fair, was it an intel failure? Maybe the intel community should stop focusing on like, you know, their uh, you know, white supremacist threat in the United States that they keep exaggerating every time. White supremacists are taking over the country. And you're like, yeah, you know, we find them to be really grotesque. Like we're not the racists like you guys. But is that really the number one threat? Maybe if we allocated resources to things like that. 
overseas intel, like the fall of Afghanistan, maybe somebody would have would have seen this coming. Here's CNN. Jake Tapper finally had enough of these buffoons. Tapper had Tony Blinken on, our Secretary of State, and I'll break it up into question and answer. Here's Tapper just basically taking it to Blinken, like, "Hey, listen, when you've lost Jake and CNN, you're in uh, you're in trouble." The Biden administration better start right quick, better get their heads out of their collective rectums and fix this thing stat and get our people out of the damn country. Here's Tapper asking Blinken a question. I'll give you his answer afterwards. Check this out. And you can disagree with this if you want, is that uh, having U.S. air support, having U.S. intelligence there to help the Afghan troops on the ground is what stiffens their spine, enables them uh, to do what they do. And that's part of the larger issue about whether or not the U.S. should have left behind any sort of residual force. But but beyond that is, again, the question of how poorly this was done. The idea that President Biden ordered 2,500 service members out and now is sending up to 5,000 service members back in, does that not on its face show that the, ex- that the exit was ineptly planned? And again, look, you told me a few months ago on this program that you thought it was entirely likely that the Taliban would be taking over the country. But President Biden, just last month, quote, the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. He was wrong. These guys have nowhere to go. Even CNN's had enough of this stupidity. You pulled out 2,500 troops before securing, doing basic force protection and securing an egress route for our embassy staff, and civilians over there. Just to be clear, you gave up the airbase in Bagram to try to defend an airbase, and not an airbase, an airport in the middle of the city, which could be easily overrun. The strategic ineptitude is so legendary that you have to sit back and think, really? Everyone should resign in mass today with anything to do is Here's Blinken's response, by the way, where he tries to defend this stuff and says, you know, Blinken told Tapper, just a few weeks ago, as Tapper says there, that this thing is going to fall apart. Check this out. Jake, what we've done, what the president has done, is make sure that we were able to adjust to anything happening on the ground. Uh, and the fact that, we, that he sent additional forces in, we had those forces at the ready, fully prepared to go in the event uh, that this moved in a direction where we needed forces in place to ensure that our personnel was safe and secure, uh, to ensure also that we could do everything possible to bring out of Afghanistan those Afghans most at risk. That's exactly what we're doing. Why didn't you have uh, the troops in there and then let that happen first before taking them out? Again, I come back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, which is that that status quo I, was not sustainable. Uh, like it or not, uh, there was an agreement that the forces would come out on May 1st. Had they not, had we not begun that process, which is what the president did uh, and the Taliban saw, then we would have been back at war with the Taliban. This is unbelievable. Did you see what he did there? Did you catch it? Tony Blinken, again, this fail. Please, Tony, listen, please resign again immediately. Please get these people out of office immediately. They are a danger to the United States of America. Their incompetence or ability to manipulate is just stunning. You see what he says there? Well, there was an agreement to, uh, to get these people. Blaming Trump. Blaming Trump. That's what he's blaming, because President Trump wanted us out of Afghanistan, too, which I agree with. But not like this. I mean, a quick analogy for I'll get to in a second too. How the, even the Wall Street Journal, who doesn't believe me, they are as like 
left or the right. They're like centrists on on Nandrolone or something, some steroid, right? That's what they are. Even they're like, this is pathetic. They're blaming Trump for saying he wanted to get out of Afghanistan. But, you know, folks, to the leftists listening to my show, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. President Trump was president for four years, and he never did something as stupid as this and understood that we had to strategically depart. Biden's been in charge, what did we, in August? Eight months now. And in eight months, he manages to screw up the entire, forget about Middle East peace, screws up the entire region. And you're blaming Trump? Let me give you an analogy to the dopey Democrats listening right now. I know what they're going to say. Well, President Trump wanted us out of Afghanistan, too. Folks, President Trump also supported criminal justice reform. By the way, a policy I disagreed with. But that's like Biden coming into office, right? And then Biden comes into office, says President Trump supports criminal justice reform. I'm emptying the prisons today, all of them, firing all the corrections officers, and we are not going to have any more police. And then going, that's not my fault, the street chaos. President Trump was supporting criminal justice reform. Do you understand this is as stupid? This is the this is a, a co-equal amount of stupid. Here, I'll get to the Wall Street Journal in a minute. I'm sorry, I just got to get my uh, last sponsor. They pay a lot of money to talk to you, and we appreciate it. They keep the show free. They're a good company, so I appreciate your patience. But I'll get to this in a second. But it's just stunning. President Trump supports criminal justice reform, so I'm going to empty out the prisons, uh, fire the guards, and blame Trump. And the media is like, <laughs> that sounds right to me. <laughs> Idiots. Where did we find these idiots? Going to need some good sleep tonight again. Justin's not here anymore, Joe. To, him and Gee used to team up on me and laugh about my order ring <laughs> sleep stuff. And so you're going to have to laugh at me with Gee now because he doesn't have a partner and he's very lonely. You <laughs> no know, problem, I always talk about bro. my sleep at night. So yeah, yeah I, I, you know me. I got, with you guys, I have a thick skin, not with the uh, conservative ink crap. But uh, they always make fun of me because I talk about my sleep because it's when you're in your 40s, that's really all that matters. It's amazing. When you're a kid, all you want to do is not sleep. And then when you're an adult, all you want to do is get a good night's sleep. Crazy how that flips, right? Well, thankfully, I have a Helix mattress. So does producer Jim. I'm going to have to get you guys one, too, from the radio show. We love it. It takes a qu Helix has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? It doesn't make a lot of sense. With Helix, you're getting a mattress you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. They have several models of mattresses to choose from. Soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is good for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Even a plus-size mattress for plus-size sleepers. A lot of variables taken into account. I took the Helix quiz. I was matched with my favorite mattress. I can't sleep on anything else. The Midnight Lux. I needed something a little firm. It helps with my shoulders on my side. I know, it seems counterintuitive, but it's true. But that's, that's me. That's how I like it. No, you may like it different. It's been awesome getting unboxing videos from all of you who love your Helix mattress. Comes right to your door, ship for free. You don't have to go to a mattress store again. They have a 10-year warranty, and you can try it out for a 100-night sleep trial risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. You will. I promise you, you will. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix also offers exclusive discounts for military, first responders, teachers, and students. 
Get a new mattress today. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners today. It's a great deal at helixsleep.com slash Dan. That's H-E-L-I-X, helixsleep.com slash Dan. Okay, getting back to this. Um, like I said, even the page two, it's a two-pager today. Even the, uh, someone slipped off the chair. There. Even the Wall Street Journal had to acknowledge Biden's failures. And they really sum it up, Biden's pathetic blaming of Donald Trump for this, which is ironic because Biden had tweeted out not that long ago that he would take responsibility when something went wrong. So here's the Wall Street Journal. You got to flip that over. He's used to having help here. So I, I, it's okay. We'll give you a pass today. He's used to having Justin. So. <laughs> Sorry, that'll be that. It's true, right? You, you, you're expect, he's used to having intern Justin. He left. So in the Wall Street Journal piece, it's called Biden's Afghanistan Surrender. They just filleted Joe Biden. Fillet him in this. And again, they're like, they're as center of the road as it gets. They say inside the piece, in the journal piece, that uh, Gabe, you need the screenshot from it too. <laughs> Joe, poor guy. We got to get this guy a full-time associate producer. They say, note that Joe Biden is more critical of Trump than he is of the Taliban. Bingo. Joe Joe Biden's angrier right now at Donald Trump than he is at the Taliban. The Taliban overrunning Afghanistan, attacking and killing people to help the United States, taking female sex slaves, uh, imposing Sharia law. And who's Joe Biden angry at? Yeah, definitely Donald Trump. Donald Trump did it. They say Biden spent seven months ostentatiously overturning one Trump policy after another on foreign and domestic policy. This is a great point. Yet he now claims the Afghanistan policy is the one thing he could do nothing about. Nothing at all. Tony Blinken said in that cut before, there was an agreement. We had to do it right away, just like this. Every other thing Trump did is tax cuts, energy policy, regulatory reform, environmental policy. That all got thrown out. But no, Tony Blinken felt bound in by this specific agreement. They were going to do it immediately. Weird, huh? Suckers fall for it. Listen, I, I got to move on. I got another story I want to get to that's important, but we spent a lot of time on this today. To the soldiers over there, the Marines, Navy personnel, and Air Force who were there, are there now, and really, God forbid, have to go back one day. You did nothing wrong. Your sacrifices were not for nothing. You showed that country what liberty looks like. Or a little bit of it. Some small semblance of it. You gave them 20 years of relative stability. You did that. You brought hell, wrath, and fury to our enemies who will fear you forever. Don't believe otherwise. They may laugh at our government, but they're not laughing at you. When they see the whites of your eyes, it's the last thing they ever see. This is not your fault. Our government did this. You didn't do this. You did the honorable, noble thing. And you should stand proudly with your chest out and your chin up because we think there's there, on the hierarchy of people with valor, honor, dignity, nobility, and then levels of respect, you all are at the top. 
I can't say that enough. I, I can't, I'm sorry if it's not as eloquent. I'm, I'm not trying to be Shakespeare. I just really can't leave this show today without you understanding how important it is what you did. And I cannot possibly use this microphone without saying to you, you are the best of us. And there are people involved with this show, by the way, who still have things going on, who know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. So, unfortunately, this weekend, given everything going on, we still have this COVID crisis, this border crisis, because Joe Biden has just abdicated his job as the commander-in-chief, head of the executive office of the president. I mean, he's it. He's the singular body. He's the president of the United States. He's just missing in action. And the COVID crisis keeps getting worse because the people who work underneath Joe Biden, like Francis Collins, excuse me, just continue to humiliate themselves in the public. Can we just get one responsible figure in the federal government to take charge and do the right thing? The new Fauci is emerging, and it is Francis Collins. I don't know the man personally. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I heard he plays whatever guitar on Twitter videos with his wife. Fantastic. Have fun. Knock yourself out. Francis Collins is a disaster. He should really stay off the air. He is embarrassing himself in the country every time he talks about the COVID crisis. He works over at NIH. The man is an embarrassment. Here he is this weekend in an appearance on, uh, was this ABC? ABC celebrating these mandates, these vaccine mandates. And I got an update on that soon, too. We'll be talking a lot about that in the coming weeks. Some of you in the crew know what I'm talking about. Celebrating vaccine mandates for American citizens who, again, may or may not need the vaccine, depending on the durability of their natural immunity. If they've had it, other reasons, they may make their own decisions. Here he is. He wants to celebrate mandates. And he's saying, you know what? I'm in charge of 45,000 employees. And you're darn right. They're going to get their vaccine. and We're going to make it really miserable. Those 45,000 people could cause a real problem for the country. Pay very close attention to his celebrating the mandates and him talking about his employees as if they're kind of subhuman. Here's Francis Cohn. Is it time for more vaccine mandates? Well, that's a obviously hot topic for me as a non-political person, as a physician, as a scientist. The compelling case for vaccines for everybody is um, right there in front of you. Just look at the data. Uh, and certainly I celebrate when I see businesses deciding that they're going to mandate that for their employees. And as a person who runs uh, the National Institutes of Health with 45,000 uh, employees and contractors, I am glad to see the president insisting that we go forward requiring uh, vaccinations or if people are unwilling to do that, then regular testing at least once or twice a week, which will be very inconvenient. Yeah, I think we ought to use every public health tool we can when people are dying. Death rates are starting up again. And you just went through the numbers about how many new cases we are seeing. We are on a very steep upswift of that curve. And we ought to be thinking of every possible intervention. So he wants every possible intervention. And he wants to, Joe, you heard it, use every possible tool of public health. He also yep. wants to demand... Demand you all get vaccinated. He wants his 45,000 employees. They could be big trouble if they're not vaccinated. But this is weird. A guy who says on TV this, this real, this, this total epic failure. This guy needs to please stay off the television. He's an embarrassment right now to the public health infrastructure. Public health. Here is the same guy this weekend on Fox News who says they want to use every tool to stop this thing. Existential crisis, folks. We're all going to die. 
But notice when he's asked about the open border where people piling in to the country, potentially infected with COVID-19 or not. We have no idea. We're not testing them. Notice how he says, oh, that's just a distraction. Trust Mexico, by the way. Their infection rate is, oh, we're trusting Mexico right now. He doesn't even know the difference, I guess, Collins, between an infection rate and a case rate. Because the cases aren't going to be the infections because not everybody gets tested. Francis Collins, public health guy, apparently doesn't even know that. And he trusts Mexico's numbers. But he doesn't trust anyone in the United States. And he thinks the border's a distraction while you idiots should all get vaccinated because we need to use every measure except shutting down the border. Check this out. Let nobody try to say that's why the U.S. is in trouble. The rate of uh, infection in Mexico is actually lower than it is right now in places like Texas and Louisiana and Florida. I think that's a bit of a distraction. We've got enough of a problem with our own citizens who have refused to roll up their sleeves. So maybe that would be a better thing to focus on if we're trying to end this. That, that seemed like it was not going to get us where we need to be. It's an issue, but it's certainly not the cause of our current dilemma. These are our public health people. Joe Biden, Tony Blinken, Peppermint Patty, Franco Collins, this, 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 this dunce. You're the problem. We got a big problem with our own citizens. Roll up your sleeves, you morons. Hey, what about the border where people are piling into the country, uh, potentially infected with coronavirus? That's just a distraction. We're going to use every public health measure to hammer people in the United States, citizens of the country, Vaccine mandates, making them roll up their sleeves. No evidence whatsoever there that what they're doing right now or any of this stuff is going to stop or put a halt to this thing. Maybe slow it down. They don't have that. But we're going to hammer the American citizens. But that that's just a distraction. Ignore these idiots. Please. Hopefully we only have three years and a few months left. Ignore these idiots. They are going to get people killed all right here's one last piece of video i want to play because um, it definitely relates to the show today you know maybe if it wasn't intel failure overseas i don't believe that because i again i heard from intel people that afghanistan was going to collapse but i just want to end with this today maybe we'd get better intel um if we focus on the real enemy but according to nbc in this new uh Intel report from the U.S. government. Yeah, the real enemy is people who question the government's approach to COVID after listening to buffoons like Francis Collins attack U.S. citizens while covering for illegal immigrants. Uh, yeah, you're the problem. You could be the new terror threat. The Intel community should definitely focus on you. You doubt me? Check this out. A new terror alert has been issued by Homeland Security tonight. Pete Williams is here. Pete, what do we know about this? Well, DHS says this new terrorism advisory is not based on any actual threats or plots, but it says there's a rise in anti-government rhetoric. Some of it is opposition to COVID public health rules like mask and vaccine measures. Some calls for violent action are based on claims of election fraud or a belief that Donald Trump can be reinstated. And DHS says the coming 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and religious holidays later this year could be catalysts for violence. The last terror advisory was issued in May. It expired today. This new one says domestic extremism remains a threat priority. There you go, folks. Domestic extremism from you people demanding truth from Francis Collins and other about the COVID virus. They've lied to you, but you're the real you're the real problem right now. Gosh, 2022 and 2024 cannot come fast enough. Folks, I appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, please check out the radio show today. Also check out my show on Rumble. Don't miss those videos in the beginning. You need to see them. Rumble.com slash Bongino. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.